Welcome to In His Grip with Dr. Chuck Betters of Glasgow Church in Bear, Delaware. In His Grip is a daily broadcast presented by Mark Inc. Ministries. Today we conclude this series and the third sermon from the miniseries, God Will Make a Way. In the aftermath of the death of his 16-year-old son, Mark, Chuck Betters' faith was on the line. For over 25 years, he preached and taught that God is the builder of broken bridges and brings beauty from ashes. But now, in this horrific grief, he questioned if God could do that for him and his family. Dr. Betters does not shy away from asking the hard questions and transparently shares his own faith struggle in this three-part series, God Will Make a Way. Let's join Dr. Betters for the conclusion of our series. Religion was, for all intents and purposes, defunct. And yet it is into that backdrop that Messiah comes. A lost identity. You know, I compare that to where we are today. I believe the coming of Christ is very near. I've said before, and I can't prove this certainly, but I can prove that there are certain signs in Scripture that clearly warn us that the day of Christ is near. I believe we are very, very close to the coming of Christ. And one of the reasons I believe that is because of the non-distinctive aspect of Christianity. We are warned in Scripture that prior to the coming of Christ, the church as a church will become a show church institution. That you will no longer be able to identify or to distinguish between the show church and the true church. Christianity as a world religion, for all intents and purposes, is no different now than Judaism was when Jesus came the first time. We have our Pharisees today. We have our legalists who sit over here and watch and pass judgment on everybody else. We have our Pharisees who believe that, uh, in fact, you, you can, even within our own denomination, and I say this with love, even within our own denomination, there are some who stand up and say that unless you do this in a worship service, it can't be worship. And they pass judgment on others who hold a different position. That unless it's done this way, or that way, or this way, or that way, it can't be true worship. The Pharisees did that in the first century New Testament time. We pass judgments on people that unless they meet up to our standard, unless they do things the way we think they ought to be done, that it can't be Christian. We have our Pharisees today. We have churches today that have imposed rules on people that are not biblical rules. That you must do this, 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 and this, and you must say this, 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 and this in order to be a Christian. And many of those things have no foundation or basis in Scripture whatsoever. Even the zealots exist today. We have the political zealots. We have preachers and teachers who are standing up today and saying that the coming kingdom of Christ has to come politically. And they hold doctrinal positions that, that speak of Christianizing our society and changing the infrastructures of our society so that we may bring the kingdom to earth. Politically, the zealots exist. We have the Sadducees today. They call themselves Christians. 
If you were to ask them, are you a Christian? They would say, well, most certainly I am. They would say, well, how do you know? Because I'm in the Methodist church, or I'm a Baptist, or I'm a Presbyterian, or I'm a Lutheran, or I'm a Roman Catholic, or I'm this or I'm that. Well, what do you believe? I believe that we need to love everybody. We need to do good to as many people as we can. We need to, we need to bring justice to unjust situations. We need to feed the hungry. We need to clothe the poor. Uh, we need to remove oppression from the face of the earth. We need to get rid of racism and, and all these other things. And they all sound wonderful and good. But ask those 20th century Sadducees whether or not they believe that Jesus Christ is Creator God and that there's one way to heaven and that is through faith in Him. Ask them if they believe in the physical resurrection of Christ. You know what's so sad? I read a book recently that um, I think I may have told you about this, but a lot of you may, may not have heard this. Uh, a book that kind of surveys what... Bible, Bible school students believe. Seminary students. Now, they didn't go to the liberal seminaries. They didn't go to Princeton Seminary. They didn't go to, to some of the, some of the uh, other schools. I won't mention too many of them. But we, we, they didn't go to those schools because we know what they believe. They don't believe anything. They went to the places where supposedly, historically, they have held tenaciously to the Word of God where they have held tenaciously to this book, where they have believed in the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. And they ask these Bible students, these future pastors and teachers, these are the guys in the next five to ten years are going to be standing behind the pulpits. What do you believe? And I read through that book, and I could feel blood vessels starting to swell in my neck. I mean, they're asking such questions as, do you believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? And the overwhelming majority of these guys are either waffling and saying, well, I don't know, or they're saying, no, I don't believe it, or no, it's not necessary for salvation, or, or ask them about the inerrancy of Scripture, and they give you the typical form criticism answers or literary criticism answers that show they don't believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, and these are the guys that are going to stand in the pulpits in the next five to ten years and pastor the churches. And they're coming out of evangelical schools. They're coming out of Christian schools. We no longer carry the clout that we did even 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, morally speaking. To be an evangelical Christian, and I mean evangelical in the word of, in, in, the, in, in the sense of adhering tenaciously to the inerrancy of Scripture, to be that kind of a Christian today, you're laughed at. Take it to school with you. Take it down to any campus, on any, any university campus, take it anywhere. And what, what will you find? You will find resistance. You will find closed-mindedness. And do you know who you'll find it from? Professors and teachers who are faithful trustees and deacons in their local mainline churches. But they're too intellectual to believe in anything miraculous. They are our modern-day Sadducees. It is into that backdrop, into that lifestyle, God became 
a man. And do you know why? To bring salvation through that Judaistic background to bring salvation to the world. Now, how in the world was he going to do that with such a fractured, diverse people? You see, in their fracturedness and in their diversity, each one of those groups grew to hate him. Each one of those groups teamed up. They wouldn't even speak to each other in a local synagogue. They certainly wouldn't serve on the same committees in their churches. But in that same group, in that same context, they would team up to get him hung on that cross, to crucify him, to put him to death. And in modern-day Christianity, we're doing exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. We want Jesus put to death. We want no restrictions on our lives. We want no moral requirements. We want no call to faith. And don't speak to me about being born again. Don't talk to me about being saved. Don't talk to me about a personal relationship to Jesus Christ. And certainly don't tell me anything about bearing witness to lost people out there in the world. What's my business spiritually is my business and it's none of yours. And it is into that backdrop I believe he's going to come again. It is into that kind of apostasy. Jesus will come and separate the show church from the true church. What is your Christianity? What is it to you? What do you believe? You see, God has brought us, I believe, as a church among many churches to a point of conflict. Every one of us, whether we want to believe it or not, our church, since we preach and teach the Word, our church has become a source of conflict in the war between God and Satan. And I want you to know something. In the years to come, You've heard it first here. Book it. Take it to the bank. In the years to come, if the Lord does not return soon, it is going to be unsafe for you to be a member of this church or any church like this church. You say, wait a minute, you guys think you have the corner on the truth? No, we have a small section of it, but not the whole corner. We got a large chunk of the corner, but not the whole corner. One thing I know for sure, what we preach and we teach concerning how to get to heaven is absolutely true. And Satan does not want you to believe that. And the world out there is going to tell you in the days and months ahead, it's not politically correct to believe that, if they haven't told you that already. It's too what? Narrow. It is not going to be safe. You're listening to In His Grip with Dr. Chuck Betters of Glasgow Church. We will return to our message in just a few moments. But first, here is a special offer from Mark Inc. Ministries. Are you wrestling with God? Does your pathway seem impossible? 
Sharon Betters shares her own story of wrestling with God in order to reconcile his love and his sovereignty. Learn more about Treasures in Darkness, A Grieving Mother Shares Her Heart by visiting markinc.org. Order now and we will include Loss of a Loved One, a transparent interview with Chuck and Sharon Betters in which they share their own grief journey. Order Treasures in Darkness, the book by Sharon Betters today at markinc.org. And now, let's rejoin Dr. Betters as he continues our message today. You better chalk it up now, brother, sister. You better chalk it up now as to what you believe. You better take inventory. Look inside and say, what do I believe? Because some of you will fall away. You will fall away. You will back off. I don't know what it will take when the heat gets turned up. I don't know whether it will take some personal tragedy in your life. I don't know whether God will have to ignore you or back off for a while or seem like he's absent. I don't know whether it's going to be trouble in your marriage or trouble on your job or trouble in your own physical body, whether you're going to go through physical pain or whatever, but Satan is not happy with you. If you are a true Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, God-honoring Christian who loves the Word of God and wants to take that Word out of the confines of the church and into the world in which you live, you are a threat to the kingdom of hell. And don't you think for one minute Satan isn't going to unlaunch or launch every single missile that he possibly can to bring you down in your faith. He's going to do that. And it's going to cost you something. And I hope you're ready to pay the price. Because if you're not, you need to take a look in the mirror and ask yourself whether or not you truly are a believer. It's going to be very costly. You see, I believe the touchstone of the Incarnation is the most critical point in all of human history. It is at that point that Satan unleashed an horrific attack to stop Jesus from going to the cross. And what was the first thing he did? Do you remember? What's the first thing Satan did when he heard the announcement that the birth of Jesus, the birth of Messiah, that the seed of the woman promised all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, that the seed of the woman that he sought to destroy all the way through the Old Testament, that that seed of the woman, that one who would come out of the line of David had been born. What's the first thing Satan tried to do? He went out and tried to kill all the babies. And yet even prophecy tells us there shall be weeping and lamenting in Ramah. Mothers weeping for their children. The prophet told us 700 years before the birth of Christ that the mothers would weep. Their babies would be taken from them and a sword would be placed into their hearts. Why? Because Satan wanted the child dead. And he would even rally the zealots and the Sadducees and the Pharisees together and get him nailed up onto the cross thinking that he had won the victory. 
only three days later to find out that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead, had conquered sin in the grave, had burst forth out of the tomb so that salvation that He had offered in coming to the cross in the first place could be sealed forever and forever, that Satan would then be bound, that he would be cast out of heaven, that he would be bound in, and would not be permitted to, to thwart the spread of the gospel until the coming of Jesus Christ the second time. From that day on, the kingdom of God has advanced. It has advanced. It has advanced. And it has come through some horrible things. The history of the church bears out the fact that we have come through some horrible things. In spite of the persecutions of the first century, where babies were taken from their mothers, what these parents must have felt like, I can tell you what I felt like. But what these parents must have felt like. Can you imagine what the mother and the father of that soldier who was dragged through the streets of Somalia? Can you imagine what they, what they must have felt like watching their son's dead body dragged through those streets? But can you imagine that you were in a situation where all you had to do was denounce your faith in Jesus Christ? And the baby that had just been taken from you and draped in a lamb's skin who was about to be thrown into a lion's den would have been released where all you had to do is say two words, I recant. Can you imagine what they must have felt like? To be ripped apart by the lions, to be hung up on the crosses, to be torched, to be lit up like lanterns under Nero and Valerian and Domitian and all these other persecutors of the faith who tried to destroy the faith, in spite of the embarrassment of the Crusades, the kingdom of God has continued. In spite of the dark ages where the church and the state married, the kingdom of God has advanced. In spite of the heresies that came out of the Enlightenment period, the heresies of relativism and naturalism and humanism, the heresies of godless atheism, in spite of that birth of modern-day humanism and form criticism that came out of that period of enlightenment, in spite of that, the kingdom of God has advanced. In spite of the embarrassment of the modern-day TV evangelists, the kingdom of God continues. In spite of the gross doctrinal error that exists in the church today, doctrinal error that ranges from higher criticism all the way over on the left to radical extreme fundamentalism and all the other isms in between that embarrass us as Christians. From those who remain faithful to the Word contrasted to those who remain faithless to the Word, in spite of that faithlessness, the kingdom of God still advances. In spite of all of the social sins that the church has embraced, sins like abortion, or the Episcopalian bishop who has just ordained publicly for everybody to see a homosexual pastor. In spite of the fact that most of the mainliners are dealing socially with sins that the Bible clearly explains as sinful, in spite of that apostasy, the kingdom of God still advances. In spite of the gross acculturation that has taken place where you, many of you, 
have identified yourself fully with the culture in which you live, thus compromising what you believe and stand for, rather than being transformed by the wonderful grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In spite of that acculturation, the kingdom of God continues. But there is coming a day when God's going to close the door and the last of the elect is going to be saved. God is going to close the door and there will be no second chance. And then shall appear the sign of the coming of the Son of Man. And the whole world will know that He is about to come. And all that what they have believed about Him is not true, except for those who are His elect. And He will come swiftly, and the whole world will see it. And He will bring judgment. And he will cast into hell those who have been lost forever and forever. And he will resurrect the saved. Bring them into his glory. I believe that with all of my heart. You know what my problem is? I don't believe you do. At least some of you. At least some of you. Oh, you say you do. But when it's time to pay the price, will you say you do? When it's time to chalk up the score, will you say you do? When the heat gets turned up, when Satan fans the flames, will you still believe it? Will you still believe it? You see, the show church will be separated from the true church. The remnant still survives. In every church, the remnant exists. The tribulation will come if it hasn't already started. At least as far as time is concerned, it will come to an end. The beginning was when man was created. The end is when man will be recreated. When Jesus Christ will come back, we will experience the final touchstone in redemptive history. The final touchstone when all of what we believe is brought to light. And many will come to him in that day and say, Lord, Lord, was I not a member of GRPC? Did I not sit and listen to sermon after sermon? And you know, that's going to be one of the horrific parts of this, is he's going to replay all those sermons. You're going to have a videotape and you're going to hear how you sat there and you listened and you listened and you listened and you walked out of here the same person as you walked in. And it won't be on my conscience because I've warned you. It will be on your head if you don't know Christ. You know, if you don't know Christ this morning, I don't know how you could sit there I'd have walked out of here a long time ago. I wouldn't take this stuff. How dare him say these things about me? Why, I'm a member of such and such a church. Why, I sing in the choir. You know, Satan's really good at music. Did you know that? Did you, did you know that? He was the director of the first choir. Did you know that? 
Satan's real good at music. Well, I study the Bible. Do you know Satan's a student of the Bible? Unless you're very, very careful, he knows how to take half-truth out of here and make it sound like truth. and, And on and on the list can go. I'm a good father. I'm a good husband. I'm a good wife. I'm a good mother. I'm a go- Are you really? Are you really? Good according to whose standard? You say, well, my wife's happy with me. Is God happy with you? Is God happy with you? Is he pleased because he sees his son in you? Or do you think that somehow he's going to be pleased as you face him bare naked? Here I am, Lord. I know all of heaven has been waiting for this day. Here I am. Angels, get kicked up there. Start celebrating. Saints, roll out the red carpet. The naked sinner is here. Here I am. And somehow or another, God's going to say, well, you know, there really are two ways. You don't have to come through my son. His death was meaningless anyhow, only for a certain few who believe that stuff. But for you, we'll make an exception. You've been reading too many magazines. You've been watching too many soap operas. You've been watching too many programs. You've got a poor image of Christianity. There's only one way to heaven. Only one way. And if you drop dead tonight and stand before God, are you sure that you have eternal life? Thank you for joining us today for In His Grip. This has been Dr. Chuck Betters of Glasgow Church. If you would like to order this sermon in its entirety, call us toll-free at 877-MARK-INC. That's 877-627-5462. When calling, ask for reference code 93-83. You can also find this broadcast and the entire series on our website at markinc.org. Click on the sermon link and look for the series, God Will Make a Way. If you would like to support Mark Inc. Ministries, visit us online at markinc.org and click on the support link. There are many ways you can help our ministry. You can make a one-time contribution, a reoccurring monthly contribution, or you can support the production of specific Mark Inc. Ministries resources. That website again is markinc.org. Next time we're together, we begin a new series by Dr. Betters. Until then, have a blessed day and remember that God is sovereign and you can trust him as long as you are in his grip.